It's the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. Thank you for joining us today on, on this we're quarantine day 5,926. Uh, it's been it's been decades and we're, we're still stuck in our houses, but that's okay. Um, there's still things to talk about. There's still things to get into, and we'll talk about how you can survive the quarantine a little bit healthier, a little bit happier uh, as we get into it. I want to start off today. We have a significant sports event. There isn't a game. There isn't a uh, you know, a contest, but there is something that's playing tonight that's going to be premiering on ESPN that a lot of people are super excited about. This is Sunday as we record this. And they're starting, it's the last dance. It's the Michael Jordan, the Bulls uh, documentary that's in like 10 parts on ESPN. It's going to be this huge multi-week, five-week thing. We're going to do two episodes a night, uh, every Sunday going through. It's like uncensored, raw Bulls footage. I want to ask you two questions. I want to start with, is this something that you're going to be excited, hyped about? And then I want to tie in Ohio State a little bit to that. But but let's start with this, Andy. Are you excited for this particular media event? Uh, well, oh, no. And I have to be honest, this may be my hottest take. I okay. grew up in a household where Michael Jordan was like the devil. Really? So, oh, Why yeah. is that? Why is so, that? Uh, so my dad was one of the biggest fans of the Showtime Lakers you would ever see. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure why. Like we are like fifth, sixth generation on our farm in Southern Ohio. I don't know if dad's ever even been to Los Angeles, frankly. I might've flown <laughs> through LAX on the way to Las Vegas and that's about as close as it gets. But we grew up watching the Lakers on television. Dad loved the Lakers. Kareem this is household oh god damn it oh like, i mean it was so kareem abdul jamar was the greatest player in the history of shooty hoops in dad's mind and and for his money dad dad would take kareem abdul jabbar over michael jordan any day of the week and twice wow. on sunday in fact if you had dad on the dubcast right now dad could give you 47 reasons why michael jordan is the most overrated hack in the history of round ball and have <laughs> the goods to back it up i mean he is a passionate passionate hater of michael jordan and and i think it's because he he looked at all as good as those lakers teams were and they just kept turning over you know the roster didn't matter one guy leaving another guy come in magic yeah. didn't even start talking about magic and could go on and on and on so i think it was that then all of a sudden jordan came on and people done forgot about the lakers and how great those guys were and it's like sure. yeah Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's a hack. Michael Jordan's the truth, you know. And I think that just rubbed Dad the wrong way, you know. It's kind of the you know, kids these days sort of thing, you know. It's just that was his his generation's great team, and then all of a sudden, you know, Jordan's like super hyped. And Dad's other thing was when you look at Michael Jordan, you know, he played on a team of superstars, as is how Dad looked at it, and all those role players that got overlooked. And and Dad Dad's one of the first guys in line to tell you. Jordan would have been nothing without Scottie Pippen and could have gone down through that roster. And so, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up in that environment. So no, I'm not super hyped about it. I did think this was funny though. I saw a tweet out there earlier in the week where they were saying, you know, Jordan um, was concerned about this coming out because people are going to think, you know, he's a bad guy after seeing yeah. the documentary. <laughs> we know, like, dude. We know. That's the thing that's going to put people yeah. over the top. No, I think we were already <laughs> clear that you're not a nice person before that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, that's, not, so I, that's not a mystery <laughs> to anyone. Uh, uh, but but that's you, all, okay, so you, you had the Jordan jersey as a kid. The, the, the I was Air a huge Jordan kicks, the I was not a big basketball fan as a kid, but I watched every single Michael Jordan game that was on TV that I could watch because I knew he was the at the time, you know, I was like, this is the greatest basketball player of all time. And I want to watch this guy play. And so I watched every Jordan game that I possibly could because I, I freaking love watching him. But you know what's really funny to me, though, Andy, is that this is probably the most clear, direct connection that you have to DJ Burns um, in your entire life. Because <laughs> DJ, old DJ's out here on Twitter saying that Michael Jordan in the NBA today would be like Deion Waiters with a jump shot. <laughs> and like, yes, because, <laughs> you he know, did. he's a huge LA Lakers fan and he's, he's 100% there with you with the Showtime stuff. So I, I find that very uh, hilarious. I enjoy that quite a bit. The I, DJ I, is I'm, my brother from another mother. And I have to tell you this. I've never told you this, but I will now right. in the spirit of dubcast fun and frivolity. All right, let's do when, it. When I first logged on to the site, God only knows how many years ago now, DJ to me was the height of writing. Like, you know, Ramsey's probably universally accepted as the, the, the greatest writer on the site. And I bow down to his 
uh, amazing use of the English language on a weekly basis like everybody else. Fantastic, but DJ yeah. was the writer I really gravitated toward as the, and you know us well enough to know we couldn't be two different people uh, personally. <laughs> right. Like Correct. we we are the yin and the yang opposites. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just admire DJ's wit and his ability to put words together. And so I, I read your work and you write this off the wall kind of fun, upbeat stuff. Like you pick these angles that I'm just in awe of like, <laughs> how did he come up with this idea? But when we first started, I first started reading the site. I was like, oh, he's kind of a poor man's DJ Burns, that Johnny Lee Ginner. I don't, I don't know. And, and over That's the accurate. decade That's or so. I mean, over the decade or so, like I've become your biggest fan on the site and I've told you this before, Yeah, I but it was funny it when I, I first started it. writing, I, we first started reading, I, you were not, I, you were not my tempo. I'm DJ was my watered guy down DJ and... Burns. I think that's incredibly accurate. It's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like the, you know, he's like the, uh, juice mix, you know, that like, if you just call the instructions on the side, yes, I'm the juice mix that your mom made when she put in <laughs> twice as much as, as water was oh, actually recommended. I love so. it. I love it. It still, well, it still tastes good, but it's just not the same thing. See, I, 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 I needed to go into the confessional. To, no, no, no. You know, I'm for, with for you this. on that, by but, the way. I, I think the, you kind of cracked is... me up because I, I laugh at how much I love DJ for yeah. all of the reasons we are totally opposite of one another. Right. <laughs> um, I think DJ and DJ and Ramsey are two of uh, some of the best writers I've ever you know, read, uh, in the sports world. And I just, you know, I, I respect the hell out of them and oh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, going back to this real quick, the, the Jordan thing, this is just my question. We only got like a minute here, uh, before I have a really awesome guest coming on. Um, but I just want to ask you if they were going to do a similar thing like that for Ohio state, you can't say 2015, 2014 national championship, but if they were doing a deep dive into a particular season or something like that, with a lot of drama and emotion, which one would you pick? For Ohio State, well, it could be anything, but I would say I'm going to keep it to Ohio State football. But you can you can do whatever one you want. I mean, I think I'd like to see, and this is recency bias. Sure, I mean it really is. So we need to wait another ten years. But I, I mean, I kind of would like to see like the final days of Urban Meyer because there's so much. Oh yeah, and and let's set aside the craziness uh, of the Zach Smith debacle. Let's set that aside for a minute. But like on the field and the management of the team and how bad that defense was and the turnover and coaching. I mean, it, it, yes, go back to 2015. Cause I don't know what the heck happened to that team, but that three or four year arc, like, I just think there are some really interesting things that I'd like to pull apart there and figure out, okay, what, what happened? What was this? There wasn't, you know, there are just a lot of interesting storylines to pull apart there. And I think 10 years from now, you could probably get some really good tape out of people. Absolutely. Well, to your point, the one I would say would be 2010, right? Like oh, Jim Trestle's last full yeah. season because of that, because you have like people who can kind of look at it in retrospect and it's kind of the end of something. Um, and obviously there's a ton of stuff going on in the background. Like, I think that would be a really, that would be a really interesting season to take a deep dive in for Ohio State football. I mean, you could, you could talk about like the last year of John Cooper and cause that was I mean chaos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think 2010 would be the one I want. So, and you know, I, there's something to be said. I mean, they're calling this Jordan documentary the last dance, and there's something to be said for the end of things yes. being fascinating, right? So, yes. uh, there's a particularly there's a great, something when you have like a big dynasty like that. Oh yeah, and there's a great line, and I'm trying to remember what movie it comes from, but but the line goes something like, um, you know, all, all good things come to an end, otherwise, you know, otherwise they wouldn't end. Um, right. You know, and it's and it's like there's a time when every dynasty, you know, in sports, they don't just go on forever. You know, Vince they Lombardi didn't win, you know, all of the Super Bowls. Uh, right. You know, the, the Patriots haven't won all of them uh, and so on and so forth. You know, Alabama's time will come to an end. Maybe it already has, who knows, you know, Clemson won't always be you know, the team with the biggest payroll in the league. You know, that's, I mean, <laughs> or I did, I out, did I say that out loud again? Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, there's something to be said about that. You could go back to end all of the end of those coaching tenures. And, okay, why did it go bad? And usually, you, you know, there's some watershed moment you can point to. You can tell what it was with Woody. Now you've gotten some of those historical retrospectives. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so let's pivot from talking about the the greatest of all time on the basketball court to the guy I think maybe one of the greatest trainers I've ever had the pleasure of working with, the uh, coach Dustin Myers. Dustin is with the Ohio Regional Training Center, which is uh, the the arm of the Olympic Training Center at Ohio State on the wrestling side. Also, founder co-owner of uh, the old school gym out in Pataskala, which is a, a gym I've been uh, pleased to frequent and, and get beat up in a few times. Coach Myers, <laughs> let's um, l- let's dig into a question I think um, that is near and dear to your heart. So sports shut down for potentially the foreseeable future. These teams, whether we're talking about the Ohio State's football team, the wrestling team, high school football teams, basketball teams, not in contact with their athletes. What, what do you think's happening out there in the great wide sports world as a strength and conditioning expert and, and somebody who's worked with middle school all the way up through Olympic class athletes? What's happening with athletes during this extended COVID-19 shutdown we're all dealing with? Well, I mean, well, first of all, Andy, thanks for the great introduction. I don't think I could have scripted a better introduction than the one you just gave me. So it makes me feel very important and I appreciate that. But, um, I think when we think about, you know, sports, you know, when something like this happens, it really makes us realize what a big part of our lives sports are as whether it's as competitors, whether it's as coaches, whether it's as spectators and fans, but it really consumes a large part of our lives. And, you know, that's for the most part a good thing, but, you know, I think we can become so attached to it in certain ways, whether it's part of our identity or just, you know, it fills our time or whatever, that then when it's taken away from us, it can almost, you know, can be a very bad thing in many ways. So I think from the athlete standpoint right now, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's, this is probably the worst possible thing is when there is uncertainty. If you, if you knew a definite date and said, okay, this is when everything's going to return to normal. This is when you can go back to, to class and go back to your coaches and get back to your workouts. It'd be a lot easier to process and deal with, but we're dealing with so much uncertainty in the world and from an athlete's perspective, that's kind of the worst thing athletes are used to, and they thrive on structure, you know. So for athletes right now, whether you're talking about high school athletes or, you know, the Ohio State level athletes, to have to wake up every day, you know, and say, I, I don't know, I'm kind of drifting about my day. I don't have a schedule. I don't have my normal things that keep me focused on my long-term goals. It can be almost kind of disorienting, I think. And I think maybe the higher you get up the food chain, the more elite athletes, the more disorienting that can be because they are used to having so much structure in their lives. So one of the big things that I've been preaching to all of my, you know, middle school and high school athletes and my college guys is like, hey, right now, even though we're kind of in limbo, you don't know, you know, when you're going to be able to go back to your normal team training and lifting all that stuff. Here's what you need to do. The first thing is you got to still set a schedule every day. And that starts with, you know, setting the alarm clock. I know you could sleep in if you want to, but set that alarm clock, get up early. Know when you're going to train during the day. Know what you're going to eat during the day. Don't just drift, you know, from from the cupboard back to Netflix, back to the cupboard to get some more cereal and just kind of waste away your day doing that. You need to still have structure in your life. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing that I've been preaching to my guys. Like, don't just treat this as like an extended spring break. You still have to look at your long-term goals and have that structure in place so that you're not so that when the smoke clears, it's not like you're playing catch up against everyone else. Harder thing to do during <laughs> this extended period. <laughs> is it to stay on target with the strength and conditioning plan? Is it harder to stay on target with the nutritional aspect of all that? Where, where do you, where do you think athletes are, are, are slipping more? Is it, is it staying, uh, staying with their lifting and running and conditioning, or is it uh, keeping away from the pantry and the icebox? Well, you know, I mean, th- those are two problems that aren't, they're not separate. You know what I mean? They're, they're kind of interwoven in some ways. I always find that when people, especially athletes are training hard and they're focused on their training, they're more apt to eat healthy, you know, because they, it kind of just ties into that, you know, of the dedication and being focused on their goals. So I think if anything, I think probably if we're, if we're not talking about my guys, but in general, you know, nationwide or worldwide, I think athletes are probably suffering worse when it comes to strength conditioning because they are number one, they're away from their guidance they're away from their coaches. And number two, they may not understand how they should be training at home. You know, if they're away from their, their strength coach and their weight room and, you know, maybe they don't have any weights. They just have household items and stuff like that. So 
not only is the structure taken away, but they don't actually have the tools that they need or the tools that they're familiar with to continue training. So that's why I've really been trying to, you know, harp daily on my Instagram and on my Facebook page, putting out, you know, training ideas. I, Cause I think, all right, if I'm a wrestler in South Dakota somewhere and I don't know, I don't have a background in strength conditioning or exercise physiology, but I know I need to work out, but I don't have anything. What can I do? And so that's what I've been trying to do is put out workouts and tips that people can do with just household items, or even if they just have a set of dumbbells or whatever. So trying to provide some guidance in that way, because I think it's a really, you know, a really tough time for everyone. So Dustin, I, I want to get into that in a little bit, actually, about what, you know, people listening to this can do to kind of keep their self active and, and, both mind and body, I think. But I had a, a larger question relating to kind of college yeah. athletes and, and how that, uh, you know, coaching aspect looks, especially right now, because I've seen, you know, this is just as, as an observer of college sports, I've seen a lot of different approaches that coaches have taken. And for instance, like Nick Saban, for example, at, at Alabama, I, I wrote something where he's talking about, you know, we've got all our players wearing Apple watches and we're monitoring their heart rates and all this other stuff. And some other coaches, including like Ryan Day, for example, are saying, look, we expect the students, the, the athletes to um, kind of take care of their own business and do what they need, we do, need to do. We do check-ins with them. We do Zoom chats, whatever, but we're not going to be on top of them 24-7. What do you think is maybe more effective? Which approach, especially for a high-level college athlete or even a professional athlete, what do you think is more effective when it comes to making sure that they're maintaining what they need to do? Um, I think kind of a mixture of the two is probably the way to go. I mean, I would say I would lean more towards the Ryan Day philosophy. And, you know, maybe that's because I'm biased because I'm a Buckeye. But <laughs> I think that, you know, right right now, you know, if you try to be too much on top of these guys, I think it could almost have a negative effect. So I think right. you, need to, you need to keep in constant contact with them. You've got to give them guidance. You've got to lay out their plan for them. But if you're, like, messaging them every half hour to make sure they're not you know, uh, watching Netflix or, you know, they're not, they didn't, you know, sleep in till eight o'clock instead of six or whatever. I mean, I think you got to expect, I mean, this is an unprecedented time for everyone. And I think you've got to give people a little bit of leeway. No one's going to be training as hard right now on their own as they would be with the team. So it has to be expected that there is going to be a little bit of, now that doesn't mean I don't, I think people should take days off or that they should eat like crap or anything like that. But I think you've got to be realistic about the situation and just know like, hey, there's going to be there, there's going to be a little bit of relaxation involved. There's going to be guys that are going to want to sleep in. They're going to want to do this or want to do that. And I think that if you're too overbearing about it, it's going to backfire. To that to that end, thinking about the technology and, and hey, Johnny talked about the, the evil dark side of it with uh, tracking every <laughs> piece of data available right. to you. Yeah. But I know you were having skype calls with clients four or five time zones away uh, you know high-end athletes is the technology allowing us to to maybe keep some of these athletes from falling off the proverbial wagon because they are able to check in with their coaches or or you know stay in connection with strength and conditioning uh, experts oh absolutely without a doubt so i i also recognize there's a lot of downside to the technology and Trust me, I mean, a lot of my business is based around Instagram, so I'm, I'm like, tied to my phone all day. And, yeah, there's a part of me that wishes I didn't have to look at it and do this stuff, but it's just it's a part of my job. It's how I make a living, and it's the way things work nowadays. So for all the downsides of it, I think that it's incredible the tools that we have right here at our fingertips. I mean, just to give you an idea, today on just a, a normal Sunday for me, I created, you know, content for my Instagram page to teach techniques. Um you know, selling eBooks all over the world. Some guy from Canada, just 10 minutes before I called in, just bought three of my eBooks, just for an example. Um, I did Skype calls today with a, you know, high level wrestler in New Jersey, and then a a female college wrestler that lives in Alaska. I'm making plans to start doing, you know, Zoom workouts starting tomorrow morning with my high school athletes, because we still don't know when our gym is going to open. So to, you know, if you think back, you know, even 10 or 15 years, I mean, maybe tops we would have been able to like email them workouts every week or something we wouldn't be able to like the face-to-face connection and being able to demonstrate and stuff like that really makes a huge difference yeah one of the things it's interesting to me because i uh, not anything close to a high level athlete but i I did play sports you know pretty much my entire you know younger life let's not let's not sell yourself short i mean for right now all intents and purposes let's go with you're the man 
No. <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough. So uh, when I was a JV uh, soccer athlete as a junior in high school, uh, and I was really like tearing up the, the soccer pitch, uh, <laughs> one of the things that I really <laughs> thrived on was um, the, the camaraderie aspect, the team aspect. How, mm-hmm. how important is that to make sure that other people are supporting themselves as well? Because to me, it almost feels like you could have a lot of that direction from the coach, but it's almost more valuable to make sure that your teammates, the other people who are involved, are doing those same kind of things to help kind of push you along. Are you seeing more of that? Are you seeing more people kind of like supporting each other, lifting each other up, making sure they're doing what they need to do? I think so. And I think people are starting to kind of realize how much they crave actual human interaction. You know, I go for runs through my neighborhood, you know, a few times a week, and I've been doing it for years. And usually, you know, someone, you know, I see people walking their dogs and they might just kind of nod at me or give me a quick smile or whatever. Now everyone I see wants to talk now from <laughs> right. you know, six, to ten, six to 10 feet away, but people that I have seen for years and never really spoke to, they want to make, you know, some quick chit chat, you know, people, you know, really want that interaction. And I think it, you know, it's, it's important. It kind of fulfills a need within all of us. And now when you think about it from an athlete's perspective, obviously there's the team aspect, but something we haven't really touched on yet that, you know, with me being a coach is that you think about from the, from a coach's standpoint, there's what we miss, you know, that connection we have with the athletes, leading them, mentoring them. Um, and I think that's something that I haven't really heard anyone talk about yet. Like, I mean, obviously we're concerned about the athletes, but what about these coaches? You know, I know that I thrive on being in the gym, being around my athletes, motivating them. And you really develop a you know, there's really a rapport and a relationship that you develop with your athletes as you're, you're helping them and stuff. So I even sent out, you know, to my email list a couple weeks ago, because I have a lot of, you know, wrestling coaches that are on there and stuff and said, Hey, like coaches, you guys need to hear, you guys need to think about yourselves right now too. And how you can still stay connected to your athletes, not just for them, but for your own sake, so that you can still fulfill kind of that part of your life. So it doesn't feel like it's kind of wasted away. And the first thing I told them is, you still need to communicate with them. You need to make sure you're, you're doing the Zoom calls and you know, texting and sending them messages and stuff and keeping in touch with them like that. The other thing is this is a good opportunity for coaches to you know, use this time to self-educate and say, all right, if I want to get better at my craft and you know, maybe I've been wanting to, you know, there's a book I wanted to study or I wanted to like, look at a you know, YouTube training series or whatever, like now I have the time to do it. You know? And another thing I told them is, okay, this is a good opportunity to continue to coach. You don't have to look at it as like, now I can't coach them because I don't have them in the room anymore. You know, go to, you know, if you're a wrestling coach, go to Flow Wrestling and make a uh, archive of, of matches you want them to study and send them out to your team every week and have, send them a, a, a list of questions you want them to answer, you know, as far as different things they're supposed to look for in the matches or, you know, football coaches could do something similar. So I think, um, you know, I think for coaches as well as athletes, we got to make sure that we still stay connected with each other and, you know, still kind of feed that need that we have to, to motivate and help others. Coach, I want to, I want to take this to, to the listener and and we're going to help the listener. uh, And by listener, I probably mean just me, but be, (laughs) be better on the other side of this. But if if you had two or three tips, um, Mm -hmm. things that you think we all ought to be doing to, to maintain some baseline of, you know, strength and conditioning, uh, for the foreseeable weeks that we're going to be locked up yet. What, what are some things that you think everybody needs to add into their routine? You talked about, uh, you know, having a schedule earlier and so on, but from actual mm-hmm. uh, things that you would say, hey, Andy, as your coach, get your butt outside and do this. What are two or three things you, you think we should all put into our, our strength and conditioning plans for the next several weeks? Well, I think, you know, at the most basic end of it, you should do, number one, you should do something every day. Okay, so none of this, hey, you know, three days a week or, hey, I'm going to lift, you know, on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday or whatever. Everyone has plenty of time right now. So now is the time to do something every day. And I think, you know, for anyone out there that doesn't have any weight equipment at home, now is the time to master, you know, kind of the basic body weight movements. You know, that's, you know, body squats, lunges, push-up variations, planks. Um, If you have a whether you have a pull-up bar, you have a rafter, you have trees that you can hang off, whatever. Like, I don't care if you've never been good at pull-ups. Now's the time to get good at them. I don't care if you got to start out doing five sets of one. Master your own body weight right now. It's going to really pay dividends going forward, not just for, you know, right now in the short term, but long term. When you get back to the gym, if you've spent 
the last four or six or eight weeks getting really good at bodyweight movements, all of your lifts when you get back to the gym are going to move up. You know, your overall physical fitness is going to improve. Most of these bodyweight movements, you know, you think of, you know, bodyweight lunges and squats and things like that as just being for the lower body, but there's a lot of, you know, core strength and balance involved that maybe you're not getting from if you go to like a plan of fitness and you're used to just using, you know, the leg extension machines and stuff like that. So I think the big thing is master your bodyweight movements. And the other thing is start doing some type of conditioning. And I know, you know, a lot of, you know, weightlifters out there that don't like cardio, they hate cardio. I think they've kind of <laughs> have tricked themselves into not liking it, right? Not, I'm not trying to single you out, Andy. I know. Hey, if I, if, I, if I do more than four reps, five <laughs> reps of something, that's cardio, right? That counts. <laughs> well, you know, now now's the time, though, to, to look at cardio as, you know, maybe you haven't liked it in the past because, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily feel good. But if you look at it beside the, the physical aspects of for me right now, my cardio, what I'm doing is almost for mental clarity as much as anything. You know, I went for a a 10 mile run today and it was just, you know, therapy. I'm out there. It's kind of a little bit windy and chilly. The sun's bright. It's beautiful. The fresh air. I mean, I've been cooped up my house for six weeks, but when I get out there on the road, I'm able to kind of, it's almost like a meditative practice. So I'm not saying you got to start with 10 miles, but you know, even if it's, Hey, I'm going to walk two miles around my neighborhood tomorrow and it takes me, you know, you know, 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever it takes to walk a couple miles, you know, get out there and, and get outside and do some, even if it's low impact, do some cardio. And I think there's something to be said for that, especially as the weather gets nicer, you know, and you're, you're chafing at not being able to go to wherever it is you would normally be going, just getting out and moving around maybe helps take the edge off that somewhat. Nobody ever felt bad after taking a nice walk on a, on, on a, on a pretty day outside coach want to thank you. And I encourage folks, if they're looking for programming, you can visit coach's website, coachdustinmyers.com. Got some great programming there, a whole raft of eBooks that you can get a hold of. And uh, if you're not following one, uh, Instagram, do that as well because you post a lot of content on Instagram for folks. You can find them at Coach Myers underscore Gut Check, and uh, then a whole raft of things for you to find there. Coach Dustin Myers with the Ohio Regional Training Center, an old school gym, good friend of mine. Thanks for joining us on the Dubcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks again to Coach Dustin for coming on and talking with us. That was a lot of fun, and I really enjoy having those kind of guests on um, because it just, I don't know, it, it's something, A, that I think a lot of people need, B, is always encouraging and just fun to listen to people with those types of jobs, and C, you know, it's it's part of the the mechanics of sports that we don't always see, you know, like the actual structure of the skeleton. Like a lot of times when you talk to people in sports, okay, we got the players up top, we got the coaches, et cetera, but you don't see the people who are really keeping uh, the wheels moving. And I, I appreciate having guys on like that who can, you know, tell us what the work is that um, really creates the product that you see on the field. So I, I like that a lot. Um, so just as a reminder, the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com, uh, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, I want to talk real quick. We've got the draft coming up. <laughs> I've seen some really goofy things. People are bored, right? They're, you're sitting around. You're going to come up with as many draft scenarios as you possibly can. And mm -hmm. it's going to be virtual. You're not going to have the whole big goofy thing. And do you remember... Andy, do you remember what they were proposing? Like what it was going to look like this year? Do you remember oh, that? Yes. Where you oh, had like oh, yes. a boat that was going to take they, people out to the podium. <laughs> they're going to be out in the middle of the fountains at the Bellagio or yes. something ridiculous like that. That's and right. it's going to, you know, we're going to pay the gondolier from the Venetian to row you over to it. <laughs> I was just waiting for one of the Hall of Famers that comes out. You know how they, like, by the time you get to the second or third round, you've got like, a guy who's 85 years old, who's yeah, been in the yeah, hall yeah. of fame for 35 years, come out to, you know, right. and with the 47th pick, the, I was just waiting for one of those guys to fall in the fountain. That's what I'm saying. Like what happens <laughs> if somebody drowns during the NFL draft? Like, what do you do about that as an organization? I just, the whole thing, I don't know. Yeah, I they they may have dodged the proverbial bullet by, <laughs> by going this route, you know, now, now we're basically having the draft. This is, this is going to be like every fantasy draft. Yes. Uh, across Which the country. Is because, fun. They, yeah. They're, they're doing this thing on Microsoft teams, right? Is that, uh, did, did I read that last? <laughs> so, yeah. Something ridiculous. But my point is, is that if they put time and effort into this, I think they can make this really hilarious and fun and make it like that. 
and make it so that people would actually connect with it and have a good time and all the other stuff. I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to try <laughs> to. No, I'm seriously though, because this is this is my beef with the original plan and with how I think it's going to be presented now, which is that they are the NFL. They are the biggest, most important thing in the history of the universe, and everything that they have to do has to be like exponentially bigger and more ridiculous every time they do it right so they can't they can't scale anything back and have fun with it it's just got to be bigger and crazier so they're not going to look at this as an opportunity to like maybe make fun of themselves a little bit or you know kind of connect with people in a goofy silly way it's going to be no no we're still the nfl this is still the most important thing that will ever happen in the history of anything and it's going to be just cheesy and lame and dumb and i just i i'm not excited for the draft in the sense that uh you know i'm like who's gonna go number one and where's chase i'm gonna go and all this other stuff i'm more excited about how it's going to be presented in terms of media but i agree with you dude i'm so glad we're not going to see that just insane dumb idea that they were going to be doing in in vegas so i'm glad that's out um as far as high state players go though and, and again i'm not like super into this debate how do you feel about the rigmarole around Chase Young? And do you believe that any of it is authentic? Or do you think that's just going to be like, this guy is top three, no matter what? He's going top three, no matter what. Yeah, that's how I feel too. And I, I seriously I, think that at a certain point, they just get, people get bored and start throwing out crazy scenarios. Yes, that's, that's exactly what happens because it's, I mean, what are we even talking about here? Like that's, <laughs> that's what I want to say when some of these draft stories come out. But but because think about it this way, you know, 10 years ago, how long were we talking about the NFL draft? I mean, seriously talking about it compared yeah, like to today. Month, I mean, you could almost be, we're talking about the draft almost 24, seven, 12 months out of the year. You know right. I mean? Like you could almost have, if we weren't in this kind of weird period of history that we're in for these months in the spring, like I can see a time when NFL network has like a satellite channel that's just all draft all the time. Like, because we start talking about, you know, draft stock almost as soon as the draft's over, like, okay, it's the way too early look at next year's first round draft picks. You know, like those are the kind of articles, especially this season, maybe <laughs> that are going right. to start getting pumped out next week. Uh, you're going to analyze this draft and then you're going to move on. So I think at some point, you know, these draft writers and analysts, have written every possible combination of words that could be written on a legitimate storyline. <laughs> so we just start manufacturing some crap. And that's when you start seeing, you know, sources tell us yes, or right. one, one unnamed scout told me that Yeah, <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Chase, Chase Young. I mean, in fact, um, there's a great piece. I want to give hats off to beat King Dan Hope. Um, really, really nice piece at 11 warriors last week um, with NFL, scout Jim Nagy uh, evaluating Ohio state's top yes. prospects. And he, I mean, yep. he, he goes on record saying something you've been saying for more than a year that chase young's better than the Boza brothers. He specifically yep. says um, Nick Boza uh, chases a, a notch above Nick Boza. And I think that's legit. So he's more complete. I mean, that's, and that's really the thing he just has, he can do some things that they can, I think. And that's no shade against. <laughs> no, absolutely the, not. And what the Broses are really great at, they're really great at, but they're, they're a little more one dimensional than Chase Young, I think. So, I'm looking I, at the CBS um, sports mock draft. This is probably the most recent one I've, I found here as we're taping mm-hmm. and I've got uh, nine Buckeyes going in the top 255 picks Wild. that's not not counting uh the amish rifle joe burrow um <laughs> as as a buckeye but nine nine uh of course you know they've got chase young going number two to washington um okuda going number five to i think if i read their nomenclature right that's detroit in a trade with miami um you know all the way down through the last one on their list would be Jordan Fuller going to San Francisco. Hmm. So some, and I mean, there's some interesting things, you know, on the list, but I, I think a nine man draft class, you know, Ohio state would be happy with that. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's it, Ohio state has done just such an incredible job over the past, really since the Urban Meyer tenure started, but really in the past five, seven years of, um, which I guess the Urban Meyer tenure, but uh, <laughs> uh, weaponizing the success that Ohio State players have had in the NFL draft, like do they do such an incredible job 
at making that part of their marketing pitch. And it's, it's great. Like Ohio state really needs to pat themselves on the back with their, you know, video online team. Like they, they had that video that came out about like sports and whatnot earlier this week, earlier last week, I guess. Um, that was just amazing. Uh, yeah, they, it, it'll be really interesting to see how they handle that because they always put out something really, really awesome and great. And I'm excited for that. And to see if they claim Joe Burrow a little bit. That's actually what I'm interested to see if, yeah. if they give a little shout out to that guy. Because there's a we've got, you know, because 11 Warriors, you know, we've got press passes, but we also have photo passes for these games. We've got a ton of really hilarious Joe Burrow uh, images with him and like JT Barrett throwing side by side and all that kind of yes. stuff. And there's, there's us, there's so much of that on the site. And I think Ohio state, honestly, like claim the dude, what are you, what are they going to do? Sue you? Like, seriously, yeah. like you know what, you know what we ought to do? We ought to prep a gallery of like, cause there's some, I like some of the goofy Joe Burrow pictures. Like you always yeah. had some classic t-shirts. And, right. Right. So that's, we should totally do like a gallery of, of Joe's best looks during his tenure in <laughs> I Columbus. I don't know. There, there's some, there's some fun to be had there. We don't have any real sports to talk about for the next. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry. It's a little too soon, too soon. The other, <laughs> the other little draft storyline that I think is kind of cool because I, I like uh, when things like this happen for Ohio state, but assuming that Chase Young and, and Jeff Okuda both go in the first round and USC doesn't have two players go in the first round, Ohio state will then, take the poll as the school with the most first round draft picks in the national football league. Um, The Buckeyes and the Trojans are currently tied at 81. And so I uh, having, you know, back to my Michael Jordan hate, I suppose the other team that I hated with a fiery passion of 10,000 burning suns during the Jim Trestle era was uh, the university of Southern California. And so (laughs) while they haven't been a thorn in, in any one important side in the last decade, it would still be nice for Ohio State to kick them in the knee one more time. That would be good. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And and that'll get done. It'll get done because obviously you know who's who's going up top. So I mean that's that I think that will break it, the tie. So I'm that'll be good. Um so that's 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 that. That's the NFL draft. It'll be curious to see how it plays out and what they decide to do with it. I'm not super optimistic that it will be fun and cool and good, but I hope it is. I hope I really hope they can just put their ego on the back burner for like five seconds and just, and you know, do something fun, but we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, before we get to ask us anything, I want to make one more mention of uh, Ohio state sports. So one of the things that I'm really, really excited about, uh, well, maybe is it Ohio state sports? I don't know. It's, it's Ohio state related. Uh, if you haven't checked out this series on the site, uh, our, our good buddy David is ranking all of the toilets on campus. So if you are a person who is intimately familiar with that, I, I want to make sure that you check out uh, the website and, and make sure that you are perusing all of our great series. Ramsey's got an awesome uh, favorite things going on. Uh, David, like I said, is checking out the toilets. We got all kinds of good stuff. So please, please, please check out some of the things that we're doing during Corona to to keep you informed and entertained because there's a lot of great stuff on the site right now. A lot of crazy. And, and I don't think you I'm can say enough about David and the outhouse series, because he's been working on that series for, I mean, what a year? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, the work that he around. has put into this thing. Here's the is, other thing about David. People don't understand this. All right. This is a guy who, if there's something he is interested in and there's something he cares about, he is not just like half-assing this. Okay. No, he, no, no, no. This is huge really- skyline guy, right? He is, has a definitive ranking of 16 skyline locations in the Cincinnati area. Yes. He, it's not like he just made it up or pulled no. out of his ass. This is a guy who's been to all of those locations and has very specific reasons for all of those rankings. So it's not like this is a person who was just saying like, oh, yeah, here's a toilet. This is a guy who is making a very strong, concerted effort to give people the information that they need. So please, please respect the effort put into this because I am in awe, frankly. So good. And, for and here's, and, and here's and what the I thing love about it is people in the comments of these yes. articles who are like, 
yeah, man, right on. Like spot on. Like I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I love that. I well, and, and then even better for the olds like us, you know, one of these uh, in, his, in, in his most recent installment, one of the first comments, you know, somebody's pouring one out for Jesse Owens North. And as somebody who lived in the North dorms, you know, like that, that that's a, that's a comment I might've made myself because, right. you know, there are the time and change. And the one thing that is consistent about time and change is that campus continues to change. So I enjoy the conversations that uh, this, these articles have sparked about, you know, remembrances of when when different people were on campus at different times. And that's uh, fun, fun thing about the community. Yeah, I, I agree. So anyway, just wanted to, to bring that to your attention if you weren't aware. Uh, let's do Ask Us Anything. If you have any questions for us, you can send us uh, our any question that's on your mind, anything that you're thinking about to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11 dubcast on twitter this first one is from bill and bill bill just wants to know okay as someone who has been on the site um he saw that i wrote something about uh, you know blue bloods and and whether a team is back or not what andy is what is a blue blood what is a traditional football power that you would either a really like to see be quote unquote back or b never want to be back again Oh, that's yeah, that's great. Okay, so uh, the one I want to see back is is one I just talked about hating, and that and that's USC. Okay. And the reason I I hated USC was because a they beat Ohio State at times when it you know pained me for them sure. to beat Ohio State, um, and two it just galled me to no end that Slippery Pete Carroll. Uh, was up there making the big bucks in the NFL while the, the man to whom I have pledged undying fealty, the right. distinguished senator from Youngstown, James Patrick Tressel, was like toiling in the mines of, you know, these these colleges. <laughs> so I, it, was, it was like, yeah, it was. He's like the vice president of student happiness, uh, you right. know, whichever college it was at the time. And I was just like, it's not right. Dang it. But here's the thing I want to say about USC. USC is is a program when USC is is hitting on all cylinders, college football is better. They they have a rich tradition. They have maybe I think the best mascot um, in the whole college football pageantry deal. When when the Trojan warrior rides out across the field on Traveler and he chucks mm, yeah. that sword in the ground, it's brilliant. I love that. The song girls. There are no words to express how much I love the song girls. Everything about it is great. They have great uniforms. They have a beautiful stadium. It, you know, it just, iconic. it pains me, pains me that they've been out here wandering in the wilderness. As you and I talked about from their recruiting woes, I feel like you and I could go and recruit better than they have been <laughs> over the past five or six years, just randomly yeah. off the street. Right. And so I, that's a, that's a program I want to see back because I think the PAC 12 could actually be a decent conference if, if USC was back and, and the other teams in there actually had to fight. And it wasn't just this sort of sleepwalk through a season that they've been doing for the past several seasons. What about right. you? So I'll get, I'll, I'll give an answer for both. I will say, and by the way, I, I would not have said USC, but I think you sold me on that. I, I would not be upset if they were, you know, more of the, more a part of the football fabric, college football fabric than they are now. Cause I, I agree with you. It, it, the history and, and the players that have gone through there and all that stuff. I, I think that does add a lot to college football as a whole. I want to see, like, I was really excited when uh, Chris Peterson went to uh, Washington and I've mm. always loved when a lot of the teams from the nineties who were kind of like not a tier teams, but kind of like B plus B minus tier teams were basically important on a national level for a brief period of time. So teams like Colorado, for example, I yeah. always love the idea of Colorado being a really good football powerhouse. Maybe not a team that's going to be winning like tons of national championships or anything like that, or even competing for national championships, but a team that was consistently like really, really good. Um, and, and so like the Washingtons, the Colorados, I love the idea of those teams being consistently good. I like the idea in general of college football being like, geographically 
diverse, if that makes sense. I don't love the idea <laughs> yes. of all the good teams being in the South yeah. or in the Midwest, and that's it. I, li- I like the idea of like Boston College, for example, right? If Halfley can get Boston College back up to being like a program that people notice on the same level of like Notre Dame as they used to be in the 80s, I think that would be awesome. I love that idea. I love that, you know, Northeast, Northwest, Southwest, all that stuff. I think that's what makes college football interesting when it is that diverse. So hopefully we can see a little bit more of that. Obviously, Peterson isn't at Washington anymore, but um, I want to see those teams come back a little bit because that that was what was exciting to me about college football when I was a little kid because I was like, wow, they're, it's from everywhere. And I just thought, that yeah, you know, with the Pac-12 not to stink in general, because I mean, the Big Ten Pac-12, right. I mean, Pac- that, that, that yes. was there's history there. Right. So, yes, the Pac-12 in general. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um yeah, they're they're kind of in the dumps right now. So, and that's without you know when you don't have a bell cow, you don't have Oregon or USC kind of leading the way in a really you know consistent way that that hurts. Although I will say I think uh, Mario up in uh, Oregon is a hell of a coach. I think he's excellent. So I think I'll have him back up. But the team that I want to see like just down to the dumps that I never I don't want Notre Dame to ever be relevant in college <laughs> football again. Like I know I hate I, look I hate Ryan Kelly and and I will not make any. No, speaking of, you know, oh, earlier we were that. talking about people who were not good human beings. Like, that's not yeah. a good human being, right? You're like, oh, well, he's not angry on the sidelines anymore. Like, yeah, that's great. But, you know, Declan Sullivan. So, uh, but yeah. anyway, my point is, is that uh, I don't like Notre Dame because I don't feel like they have earned any of the ink spilled about them for the past 20 to 30 years. Like, I know Holtz had them, Lou Holtz, you know, had them looking good and whatever. They won a national championship in the late 80s. But that was literally three decades ago. So I'm not – I. it feels like the Notre Dame hype train gets going every time they're like 4-0 and or 5-0. and And I I will say it's it's tempered off in the past few seasons because people have seen that they just fall apart towards the end of their schedule. But A, they haven't earned any of the cred that people want to, you know, give to them, ascribe to them. B – Join a damn conference, all right? If you really, seriously, like, stop stop with this stuff. If you want to join the ACC, do it, all right? Like, if you're going to pussyfoot around it, fine. Join the ACC and actually, like, become part of a conference. And then we can talk about you in the national conversation and see this whole specialness about, like, oh, well, we're independent. We can do whatever we want. That's fine, but that's always going to dictate that you have to earn the respect at the end of the season, and they just they have not done that I, you know when they get to the national championship against alabama just because it completely blown out and that's like the one time that they've been like had an impact on national prominence i'm just not sold on notre dame at all i don't i don't you know when they like wake the echoes i don't have that stirring you know in the cockles of my heart when i hear that kind of stuff because to me i don't associate it with college football because i'm not you know 90 years old so it's just i don't know man i i i do i would not shed a single tear if notre dame ceased to be relevant I mean, there's a, there's a few programs like that, that uh, it just always amazes me. The, is Texas, you referenced Texas in, in the article, Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, is, is Texas back, you know, is, is one that uh, it's like a perennial conversation now, no, Notre Dame. And, and of course that team up North, like there, there are a handful of programs like that, that it just, I chuckle every year, you know, about mid September when people start having that that conversation is is this team back or oh this yeah. team is back because there there's three right there michigan notre dame and texas man if those are programs that have been riding on yesterday's successes for about 25 and a half years now man right uh longer than that. I, didn't, I didn't realize how long it had been on since, notre dame. since 1990 collectively between the three of them how many championships do they have one and a half like <sighs> who cares like i in you know, again, but if, every if, year some writer be, is willing to like, it's, I don't know what it is, what it is. Yeah. And I don't, like, here's my all point. Of a sudden, here's my point. I don't care about a team's past success insofar as it's exists by itself. So if it, if it's part of the team's narrative, when they come back to prominence and they're doing interesting things and fun things, I think that's great. Like in the case of USC, awesome. Ton of history there. Texas, obviously ton of history, Notre Dame, Michigan, et cetera but you've got to give me a reason to give a crap about your football team. That's what bothers me. Vince Young, I wrote this in the article. Vince Young is one of the most insane, mind-bending college football players I've ever seen in my entire life. Maybe the craziest college football player I've ever seen in my entire life. And 
that validated all the other stuff you want to say about Texas, right? But when Colt McCoy comes in and just, again, great college football player, but there's nothing interesting about Colt McCoy. And there's nothing interesting about the parade of players that came after him playing quarterback for them. And it's not, I guess what I'm saying is, is that a football program can't just say, well, we have this great pass. Like you have to be interesting on the face of it. And that's the thing about Ohio state that I think is great is that Ohio state has done both. It has an incredible history and they've also had this ridiculous like seesaw play style in the past two decades where, you know, some people hated trestle ball, but you couldn't trestle ball. Wasn't interesting on the face of it. it was interesting within the context of college football. And then of course you had what the team was doing under urban Meyer point is, is that it justified people's interest, right? Ohio state yeah. justified people's interest in the program. Texas hasn't done that. Notre Dame hasn't done that. God knows Michigan hasn't done that. <laughs> so, and I say that as someone who's watched way too much of Michigan football in the past two or three seasons. Uh, well, they have not justified the interest in their programs. If you want to justify that and they come out with something interesting and start winning games in interesting ways, great. We can talk you, about that all you want. You can wake the echoes. But until they start doing that, I could not care less. You mentioned and I, Georgia I, I, in the I, article briefly. And it's like, you know, it's been 40 years since Georgia won a national title. 40 <laughs> 40 right. years it's not Georgia now now at least I get you know Georgia's got one of the biggest payrolls in in college football so I I, yeah. I sort of get it at least like you have this expectation that they should be yeah. back because of the talent they're bringing into town but back to the conversation we had last week you know coaching versus talent uh right. clearly they haven't done the deal with the bodies they've brought in at least right. yet maybe this will be the year Georgia will be back I like Herschel Walker too, but it doesn't mean I'm going to pay attention to Georgia until they start like winning games and being interesting. Like that's, that's basically it. So, uh, you know, there's a song about this. Now that I think about it, you know, Green Day had a, had a, a track. It's probably been 10 years ago now. Uh, but wake me up when September ends. Yeah. That's right. The, is this team back? You know, that's my answer to the, is this team back question is just wake me up when September ends and then we'll talk about it. Cause by the way, and everybody looks great in September. That's right. And and one last thing about this before we got to go, I, I was looking up, I did two things this past weekend. Um, I was sitting around, I was kind of watching all football games and uh, like on YouTube and whatever. And I saw the 2006, uh, I think it was the Fiesta. I don't know if it was the Fiesta Bowl. I can't remember which bowl it was, but it was the Oklahoma Boise State game. That's what I'm talking about, right? Like, even though Oklahoma lost, they're part of that narrative and they're interesting because they're within that, like, you know, niche they're in that they're in that game they're in that crazy battle with the Boise State Boise State is just pulling out all the stops that's something that you want to talk about I don't care about any bowl game including the one that they played against Hawaii State and lost that Notre Dame has been involved in in the past however many years because they haven't been part of that fabric of college football um Denard Robinson right like we talk about you know we got the September Heisman and all that stuff how much look I, the other thing that I did is I looked up a lot of like stats for Michigan this past uh, couple of days. How criminal is it that Michigan wasted that dude? That guy, if you look at what he did, Denard Robinson, uh, Devin Gardner, if you look at those two players really and look at what they were able to accomplish at Michigan, despite being surrounded by just incompetence and crap, it's criminal that those two guys who are incredible college football players basically just kind of like, who cares? People yeah. made fun of it because they were on these teams that were just boring and lame and not fun to watch. And on any other major program, those guys would be considered like these dynamic, amazing players that yeah. we still talk about. And we don't because they were stuck in a program that just doesn't really matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the real crime of it. So I that made me sad. I looked at all that stuff and like, wow, Devin Gardner is like literally one of the greatest running backs in Michigan history. And nobody talks about it or cares. And it's just sad. Who was so, the last, was the last Michigan running back. Anybody talked about right as a quarterback. <laughs> right. Exactly. That was, and that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into <laughs> Um, But yeah, man, I, I, I'm not shedding a tear for those programs, particularly Notre Dame, but you know, you can consider it to Texas and Michigan. So, um, so that's the dubcast this week. We'll have much more to talk about next time. Uh, keep sending in those questions, keep listening and, and we're great to have you. But until then I'm Johnny, I'm Andy, and we'll see you then.